home is dark. Relationships gone sour. You're ready to give up. You don't know where to go for the answer. You're, you're doubting God. You're doubting your faith. You're doubting if you ever really believed. And Jesus is coming to you in your darkness, and he, he's saying, I am your light. Stop looking elsewhere. Stop looking as the Israelites did to Egypt or to the sun or to other gods. And Jesus is saying, look at what I've done for you. Look at the cross. Open your eyes and see my atoning sacrifice that it's not what you did. It's, it's what I do. It's not your works. It's not how bad you've been. It's about what I want you to be. And I want you to be in my presence. I want you to be in my heart. I want you to be like me. And I've paved the way. I've shed my blood. I've covered your sins. Now see what I have for you in this world. Let me, let me invade your life. Let me invade your dreams. Let me invade your future hopes. And then follow me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, the promises, will never walk in darkness again, but will have the light of abundant life. And when we begin to see Jesus again and how big Jesus is, we don't have to be afraid, church. Amen. Welcome, everybody, to week three in the I Am series. If you're just tuning in today, We've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, and we'll be continuing for the next few, about looking at some of the I am statements that our Lord Jesus Christ made. Is that mic a little bit loud? A little bit loud? Maybe turn it down just a tad. Sometimes I tend to get a little bit loud, so I just like to give myself room to get louder. We're talking about some of the I am statements that Jesus made in the gospel according to St. John. And what we already talked about is we talked about how Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and that whoever believes in me shall never die. Even though he dies, he'll, he'll still live. And then we saw last week about how Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And we saw what it means to live with Jesus as our shepherd. Our whole point in this series is that we answer the question is, who is Jesus? And instead of listening to what everybody else says about him, let's ask him himself. And let's say, who is it that you say you are? We heard him say those two statements. And today, we are going to hear what, in my opinion, is one of the most inspirational I am statements, or it's all of statements in all the Bible, which is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, when he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Just so I make sure that everybody is awake and on the same page with me here, let's read this verse together so that I can feel it, that I'm not talking to myself. You read it with me. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus says, I am light. And when you have light, then you don't have to be worried about darkness because you can live in light. This is good news because nobody likes darkness. If I said, let's be interactive today because like I said, some people are a little some cobwebs in the eyes. How many people, when they were kids, were scared of the dark? Raise your hand. All right, very good. Okay. Now, how many people, I won't ask how many people as adults were scared of the dark, but we'll, we'll just kind of keep it. Yeah, I know some people are. When I was a kid... 
All right, this is what we were learned. We learned this when we were young, okay? That the dark, especially when you're in room, and your room at night is your room, and you play, and your room is the best. But when the lights go out, there was two very important rules that you needed to be very aware of. Number one, and help me out here on this one if you know what I'm talking about, the closet door must be shut all the way. Why? Because the monsters are in there, and they come out at dark, but somehow if the door's closed, they can't get through the door. There's some kind of like force field there which stops them. And the other one, even more important, is that when you're in your bed, right, when it's dark, what's underneath your bed? Monsters again, okay? They must have snuck out from the closet, they're under the bed. So what was very important when you slept, that you didn't let anything hang over the side, all arms and feet inside the bus at all times. Because if something hanging over, the monsters could just kind of, Suck you under. So you try to keep it all inside, preferably under the cover. And if you had to go to the bathroom at night, what would you do? You'd have to kind of jump over, do your business, and then kind of jump back into bed, right? Because you never wanted those monsters to, to cause a problem there for you. But what solved the monsters in the closet and the monsters underneath the bed? One thing, that as soon as this happened, monsters were all gone. And that is light. Okay, night light, any kind of light, okay? Once there was light, all the rules changed. Throughout the Bible, this imagery of dark and light is used to talk about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the devil. Just a verse here from Acts chapter 26, verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. This is what, what, uh, what God was saying to St. Paul saying, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Bible says that God is light. Satan is prince of darkness is what the scriptures say. So when Jesus says in John chapter 8, I'm the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, he's not talking about just being walking or living, being not scared of the monsters under the bed. He's saying the bigger monsters in life, because there are bigger monsters in life. And those big monsters scare us. And those big monsters put us in bondage. And those big monsters make us to live a life of guilt and shame and fear and slavery. And Jesus says that when you follow me, that you walk in light, that you walk with confidence, that you walk with boldness. You don't have to fear that guy. You don't have to fear those monsters, because you have the light of life with you. Very powerful verse. I want to break down this verse here today. In order to understand this verse of John chapter 8, verse 12, the fullness of the verse isn't realized until you understand the context in which the verse is given. And most people don't realize that this, this verse, John chapter 8, verse 12, is given at the end of a story in the Bible. And it's kind of a famous story, but somehow we don't really connect these two verses. It is one of the most, in my opinion, grace-filled Beautiful passages in all the Bible. It's a story in John chapter 8 when Jesus met the woman caught in adultery. You may have heard that story before. And in this story, we're going to break it down. We're going to look at three characters in the story, so to speak. We're going to look at the law, look at the love, we're going to look at the light. The law, the love, and the light. Sounds like a soap opera, doesn't it? Okay. The law, the love, and the light. Let's start the story with the law. The law reveals our guilt. The law reveals our guilt. 
We're going to pick up the story in John chapter 8 at the start of the chapter, starting in verse 2. It says this. It says, Now early in the morning he, he being Jesus, came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in, his, in, when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Let's pause right there. Big group gathering. Jesus is teaching. They bring a woman in front of them and says, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. You know those Southwest commercials of want to get away? This is about as want to get away moment as you could possibly have. This isn't the ideal way in which you want to meet the creator of the universe. Caught in the act. We can only imagine the shame, the humiliation that this woman was feeling. Picture it. Well, don't picture too much, but picture it that, that there's a woman, okay, committing adultery with a man, an unmarried woman with a married man. And somehow these Pharisees, I don't know how, they bust into the room and they caught them in the very act. And after they caught them, they took the woman and it, it gives the connotation they dragged her by her hair. She probably wasn't clothed. Okay, maybe she managed to grab a sheet or something like that. But again, just the sheer humiliation of, 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 of the moment. And realize, who did they not bring in front of Jesus? The man. Why did they not bring the man? Because he's the man. And there's a double standard. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just pointing out what the Bible says, okay? This is about as bad a moment as you can get caught in the very act. And made a spectacle of in front of all these people. Story goes on. Then they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that they should that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. They bring this woman, and now we start to realize why all of a sudden they're so interested in this woman caught in adultery. They don't care about her. They care about tripping Jesus. Because everyone loves Jesus, and he's Mr. Love Guy, and everyone's so happy with him, and they don't like us. So let's put him to the test. Let's bring this woman, and let's see what he does. He's always preaching love, but he also is abiding by the law. Well, the law says she should be stoned. So you're going to be love, or you're going to be law. What are you going to do? And they brought her to try to trip Jesus up. But didn't they know? Any, you can't paint Jesus into a corner. Of course, Jesus got a response to them. But that's not the issue for us right now. The law said that she should be stoned. The law leads to guilt. And the law reveals guilt and sin and negative and bad and all that kind of stuff. Now, before we get too far into this story, let me ask you a question. The Pharisees, as they say that she should be stoned, are they right or are they not right? Are they right or are they not right? They're right. They're 100% right. Like, was she guilty or not guilty? We said the law reveals the guilt. The Pharisees revealed the guilt. Was she guilty? Yes. About as guilty as you can get. Caught in the very act. Like, there's no excuse that you can make. Well, the man was guilty too, yeah, but they don't care about the man for some reason. Okay, but yeah, he was guilty too. But I think they brought the woman so that Jesus to see how sympathetic he'd be towards the woman. But anyway, the point is, don't, don't overlook this fact. That she was 100% guilty of breaking the law. Well, whose law is it? Who made up this dumb law? 
Who made up this dumb law? God made up the law. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulterer shall surely be put to death. Deuteronomy 22. If a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die, that man that lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall put away the evil from Israel. If a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband, and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city, which is exactly what the Pharisees did, and you shall stone them to death with stones. Don't look, overlook the fact, yes, the Pharisees were mean, and yes, they were manipulative, and yes, they were bad guys, but she was wrong, and she deserved to be punished, and she was guilty, and she deserved something bad to happen to her. Agree? And so do you. And so do you, and so do you, and so do you, and so do you. You deserve to be punished too. You deserve to be punished because you broke God's law many times. You deserve to know that you are guilty of breaking the commandments of God. And just like this woman who deserved to be punished, you deserve to be punished as well. You don't want to admit that. And you want to convince yourself that because you do some good acts, because you go to church on Sundays, because you drop a nickel in the bucket when the collection plate goes around, you want to convince yourself that you're a good person. But that ain't the truth. The truth is just as she was guilty, you are guilty as well. In your eyes, you're a fantastic person. You're the best person on the planet. In the eyes of God, you are sinful, horribly sinful. You are filthy and dirty to the uttermost. Welcome to the well where we preach a feel-good message every week. Happy to have you here. How can I say that? Well, what the Word of God says. James chapter 2, verse 10, Whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. The key is realizing is who you're what standard you're using to compare. We think we're good because we compare ourselves with other people who are dirty like us. And then you end up becoming the smartest of the dumb kids. All right? Yeah, you may be the cleanest pig in the pen, but you're still a pig in the pen. And when you compare yourself to God, who is all holy and is all pure, the smallest stain, like think about it, if, I got, uh, if I'm dressed like a bum, Okay, and I'm, you know, dressed like a bum. And then I spill ketchup on myself. You say, I mean, you barely even notice the ketchup. See, that guy's got mayonnaise, and that guy's got mustard, and that guy's got relish, and that guy's, like, so just a little ketchup, not a big deal. But imagine a girl on her wedding day, okay, wedding day, like the dress and the white and the dress and, and like, the, the gloves and the candles and all that stuff, and then just a small little, small little ketchup. Big deal or not big deal? No, you can notice that a mile away. Because it's who you're comparing yourself to, what standard you're using. God is the wedding dress. God is whiter than the wedding dress. God is more pure and more holy than a wedding dress. And one splot, spot, splash, blotch, whatever it is on your soul compared to God is disgusting. It ruins the picture. You in heaven, you ruin the picture. No matter how good or how bad you think you may be. I told you all this before, is that the, the picture that I want you to think of is we on this earth, okay, you walk around Arlington, you see tall buildings and little buildings. You see some this high, some this high. You say, wow, big, wow, small. When you go up 50,000 feet, you look down at those buildings, they all look exactly the same. And the difference between someone who's got two blotches or 200 blotches under, doesn't make a difference. From God's perspective, they all blotches. You're not convinced. You refuse to be convinced that you're a bad person. Let's be interactive. Okay, and I'm going to raise my hand too when it's, raise your hand 
if you've ever told a lie in life, any kind of a lie, white lie, small lie, big lie, lie about your husband, lie about your wife, okay, dress makes me look thin, okay, well, any kind of lie, okay, put your hands up. Raise your hand if you've ever said an improper word. Use the name of God in vain, okay? If you're a parent, raise both your hands because you know it's true, okay? <laughs> Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you have ever thought lustfully after another person. Very good. And those who don't have their hands down, I'm going to go back to the first question and ask you if you've ever told a lie. <laughs> See if you'd like to reassess that one. Look, if you have lied, you are a liar. If you have used the name of God in vain, it's called blaspheming the name of God, you are a blasphemer. If you have looked lustfully after a man or after a woman or thought lustfully, you are a lusterer, adulterer, okay? It's probably be better than a lusterer. And if you are any one of those, then you are a sinner. Do you agree? Say it with me if you mean it. I'm a sinner. Say it. I'm a sinner. No pointing at others, okay? Say I, not they, okay? I'm a sinner. Say it. I'm a sinner. One more time. One, two, three. Why is it so important that you say I'm a sinner? You know why? Because until you realize that you are a sinner, you will never realize your overwhelming need for a Savior. And until you come to the conclusion that I am a sinner, and you stop trying to convince yourself that you're a good person, until you realize how bad you really are, you will never realize your overwhelming need for a Savior to wash you and cleanse you and to make you righteous before that holy God because you cannot stand in front of that holy God with the ketchup. And until you see the ketchup, you're never going to realize your need for a Savior. That's the purpose of the law. St. Paul says it one time in Romans chapter 7, he says, the law, everyone's saying the law is bad, the law is bad. The law is not bad. He's saying, I wouldn't have known my need for a Savior without the law. He said, because if it wasn't for the law that said you shall not commit adultery, I wouldn't know what adultery is. If it wasn't for the law that said you shall not covet, I wouldn't know that coveting is a sin. The law isn't bad. The law reveals our guilt. And in the end, knowing our guilt is a good thing. So the Pharisees were right. She should be stoned, right? Pharisees were wrong in this. The law reveals our guilt, and we need to know our guilt. But we also need to know that the law is not the end of the road. The law is step one. It is not the end. Because after the law comes the love. And the love reveals God's grace. This is where the Pharisees got messed up. They were right on the law. And they were right that guilt. But they just thought that, that was the end of the story. Guilt and go home. Then realized there was a cha another chapter after that. The chapter after that is the grace of God. And that's revealed by the love. Let's keep on reading the story. They said, you're going to stone this woman or not? Jesus responds like this. He says, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Picture that one. Bring the woman. Bring her in front. Jesus, what are you going to do? He says he stooped down and he started writing in the ground. What did he write? No one knows. Bible doesn't tell us. And no one has any factual. But there's like a theory in the church tradition that some people subscribe to and some people don't. I mean, you take it as you want. You know what that theory is? You know what he was writing? The sins of others. The sins of those accusers. These people said she's guilty. So he just wrote down and said Paul, and he started writing Paul's sins. And he said Manal, he started writing Manal's sins. There's no proof of that. 
Okay, there's, there's, you know, some evidence that supports it, but we don't know. But that's what they say, that he started writing the sins of the others. And then it says, so when they had continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Look what he did. He did not deny her guilt. He did not go against the law. He said, yes, she is guilty. But hey, FYI, so are you. And he goes after these guys, and he goes after them pretty good. If it's true that he was writing their sins on the ground, we're going to see he actually keeps on writing, he writes more sins on the ground a little bit later on. If that's actually what he was doing, he's hitting them hard. And he's teaching them a very important lesson that we all need to hear this lesson because we all fall into this sin. And that is the sin of it is much easier to see the sins of others than to see the sins of ourselves, isn't it? It is so easy to see this woman's sins, and it is so difficult to see our own sins. It is so easy to look outside the window and say, he's rude. She's this. He's a that. that arrogant. Ah, insecure. Um, inconsiderate. It's so easy. And then look to yourself and say, well, you know, I'm trying my best, and that's all that really matters. Right? It is so easy to point out the sins of others and so difficult to see our own sins. Everyone knows someone who is an expert in everyone else's business except their own. You know the person who knows everything about dieting and gives all the dieting advice? But you look at them and you could say, like, hey, maybe you could, you know, use to listen to some of that advice. You know that person? We're all that person. What Jesus said to her, what Jesus said to them, yes, she is guilty. But guilt, the law is in the end of the road. Let me show you what goes past guilt, and that is the grace. It goes on. So after he stooped down and wrote, he again stooped down and wrote on the ground. And this time after he did that, look what happens. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. The old guys got out of there first. Why? They're like, I, I ain't sticking around for this. I've been alive too long. See all them sins written. I'm getting out of here. I know where this is going. And they all one by one dropped the rocks and they got out of there because they didn't want him to write their sins on the, on the ground as well. And then it says in verse 10, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Put yourself in this woman's shoes. You're caught in the act. You just feel like the most shame and humiliation in the world. You are dragged out. You're made a spectacle of. You're probably not wearing anything. Like you're just like the worst. Open the ground and swallow me up. Anything's better than this moment right here. This is the worst, darkest moment in history. And then this man shows up. And he tells them one by one to get back. Get back. And now the only thing left is you there and him here. How you feel? Jesus just saved her life. Physically, but even more than physically. Jesus just saved her. And then, in verse 10, when it's just Jesus and the woman alone. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Now ready? Watch what you're going to hear right now. Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, What might be the sweetest words ever uttered by anyone on this planet? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
All them people looking, staring, rocks. One by one sends them off. He says, lady, neither do I condemn you as well. I bet you that there's someone here today who needed to hear these words as well. There's someone here today who needed to hear these words as well. And to know that no matter what guilt or shame or humiliation, no matter what darkness you might be living in, no matter what bad place you're at in life, and we all find ourselves at those dark moments in life, no matter how dark it may be, that yes, while the law convicts you and says you are guilty, the love says, here is my grace. And love says, neither do I condemn you. And we need to realize that as children of God, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you know what that means when it says there's no condemnation? That Jesus didn't come to condemn us and to point out our faults. He came to help us to remove those faults. The Pharisees came and said, look, speck in his eye, speck in her eye. Look and, and look at those specks. Jesus came to say, get back. And he came to say, let me help you remove those specks. Yes, I see that you have a speck in your eye, but I'm here to help you remove it. Not to judge you for it, not to condemn you for it, but to help you to solve it. Yes, he says to her, even sin no more. But notice, he didn't say sin no more, neither do I condemn you. He switched the order, and the order is very important. He says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more for your own sake. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But what I'm trying to get to right here is that even his sin no more is sweet. Because it's follow, it's, it, it comes right after, uh, neither do I condemn you. And we as the children of God need to know that he doesn't condemn us. Never condemns us. Even when he says, go sin no more. Even like we talked about last week, his rod and his staff. Even when he disciplines us, it's out of love. And it's out of trying to give us the best thing. I really believe that one of the biggest problems that we, we, that the world, but we as well, is we have insecurity. There is not a person in this room today doesn't struggle with insecurity in a different way. Every one of us is insecure. Every one of us feels like we have to prove ourselves or we have to earn this or we have to feel like we're not good enough or we, we have this and that's why we act nine out of ten times the crazy behavior in your life. Go back and the root of it is insecurity. Why you behave that way at work? Insecurity. Why you behave that way when you play basketball? Insecurity. Why you talk that way to your wife or your kids? Insecurity. And we need to know that in Christ there is no condemnation. And then in Christ, we don't need to earn it. We don't need to prove it. Outside of Christ is different. But inside of Christ, there's no condemnation. That means that I'm giving you permission right now. Everybody now has permission. And the ladies especially will love it. And the guys won't realize that they enjoy it, but they appreciate it. That I'm giving you permission to tell this guy to shut up. And I'm not supposed to say that word in front of the kids, okay, but there's no kids here. Tell this guy to shut his yap. And this guy who's in your head, who is always accusing you, and who is always making you feel guilty and shame, and says, you, you know that little voice? It says, no, 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 you're bad. This is, no, 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 you're not good enough. Then, no, 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 after what you did? After what you did, you think God would love you? After what you did, you think God would forgive you? Okay, maybe he loves you and forgive you. You think God will bless your life? You think you can have a good marriage after that? Tell that little guy to keep it down. Because you know who he is? He's an accuser. And you know who the accuser is? The book of Revelation says the accuser is the devil. And the devil, his, his entire mission in life is to hurl out accusations against the children of God. He's a this and you're a that and all that kinds of stuff. And you tell that little guy to pipe down. And if you don't hear him, I'm sorry, if, you don't, if you're not able to say that, 
And then what you do is you go to John chapter 8, verse 12. Actually, read the whole story of John chapter 8. And you want to hear your Savior saying, where's your accuser? Because he shuts those accusers up. And he says, back up. Leave my girl alone. Leave my boy alone. You know why? Because I'm the light of the world. I read a nice quote. It was saying about how when your accuser reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. When he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. And his future is, look, no matter how dark and dark and dark and dark, once that light goes on, there's never been a time in the history of the world that a dark room and it turned the light on and the light didn't work. And the light couldn't light it up. No matter how dark, no matter how long it's been dark, you turn that light on and instantly, this woman was instantly, the light came on in this woman's life, instantly changed everything. And the same thing happened when we turn on the light. There's no dark that's too dark for that light to work. So, just so we're clear, was she guilty? Yes. Are you guilty? Yes. But guilt isn't the end of the story. Like, let's not go to either extreme. Or we don't believe there's hope for us, or we don't believe that we've done something bad. Like, let's, let's be fair. And let's call sin, sin. We are guilty. But there's a chapter two. And chapter two is God's grace. Someone told me this story recently. A college kid who was uh, struggling, shall we say, in school. And he was at the verge of getting kicked out, basically. And it came down to, like, this last class. If he, he needed to do good in this class to maintain, like, his, you know, 1.8 GPA, which was, like, the bare minimum or whatever it is he needed. And he was, like, hanging by a thread. And he went for this exam. And the exam, he got a D. And the D pushed him below. And not only pushed him below, like, it's one thing if he's just going to get an F in that class, but not only in that class, then he's going to lose the, the, the ability to like, get kicked out of school, and his parents are going to cut his head off. And gonna, like, it's his, life, his life is over. This D means his life is over. Apparently, everyone in the class did poorly. They went to the professor, and the professor decided to grade up on a curve. And that D got transformed to a B plus or B or whatever it was. Whatever it was pushed him just over the 1.8. So it was 1.8001 or whatever it is. And that just over a little bit. Solved everything because now his parents didn't need to know he's getting kicked out of school. Now his parents didn't need to cut his head off. Now he gets to get another chance. That difference between that D and that B saved, changed everything. Did he deserve a D? Yeah. He got however many questions wrong. But that's grace. There's a picture of grace. And what made the kid so thankful and appreciative was that he knew he deserved a D. And he knew the result of the D. Like, had he not known, had he just gotten a B, he wouldn't have been as appreciative. But because he knew he deserved the D, and he was on the verge of the D, and he was ready to, to, to do anything to bribe anyone to get out of that D, then he appreciated the B. So we need to know that we are guilty. And we need to know that all of us have sinned. And even if you live one day on this earth, the Bible says, one day you will commit sin. And every, watch this one, everyone in the world can see your sin except you. Everyone in the world knows that you got, no one is convinced that you're perfect except you. Only the guy in the mirror thinks you're perfect. Everyone else knows you got sin. You don't believe me? Ask around. Ask your wife if you're married. If you don't got a wife, ask my wife. She'll be happy to tell you. Okay? I'm just joking. <laughs> That's what wives are for. Okay? Bottom line is, until you see yourself as a sinner, you will never realize your overwhelming need for a savior. Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. 
But he doesn't just say that. He says, go and sin no more. When Jesus says, go and sin no more, you can look at this and say, like, ah, Jesus is kind of being like, like, it doesn't seem, like, why didn't he just say, neither do I condemn you. I understand. Been a tough life. You know, your dad was, was, was not nice to you when you were a kid. Or, or I know that, like, it's difficult for you in this society. Like, I know. He didn't say that. He didn't make any excuses for her. He said to her, go and sin no more. You know why? Understand how grace works. Jesus doesn't excuse sin. He covers it. He doesn't erase sin. He redeems it. Sometimes we have the wrong idea about how grace works. We think of grace as just like, yeah, yeah that's fine. Just forgive it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. You did that? Okay, forgive. Yeah, it's easy. Just forgive it. The example I gave about the grades, let me give you a better example, which is not true, but let's say it is true. It's not someone who got, went from a D to a B. Let's say someone who is in debt, mountains, piles of debt, and he owed this money, and it was going to be the end of the world if he wasn't able to pay it back. And then someone else came and paid it for him. That's grace. But that's not grace. Grace is the rest of the story, which is how did this person pay that debt by he got a second job and worked from in the morning all the way till midnight, working that job, making pennies, and making money so that he could pay this debt. That's what grace is. Jesus doesn't just vanish the sins into thin air. He takes each one one by one, and not one of them is forgotten because he's got to forget anything, and each, every single one of them, he pays the penalty himself. Each and every single sin. It doesn't just psh, doesn't erase it. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't erase it. He redeems it. He takes it, and he pays the price for it. And another one, and he pays the price. So now this person who was in debt and this person who paid back their debt and got this second job to do it, they say, I don't condemn you, but go and get in debt no more. And they have the right to say that, don't they? Go and, and spend no more. Go and credit card no more. Because I paid back your debt, and I paid back each and every single one of them with my blood, my sweat, and my tears. Therefore, I have the right to say to you, go and sin no more. Some versions of the Bible add the word when it says go sin no more. Add the word now. Go now and sin no more. Meaning like sense of urgency. And he's not saying it in like a, again, not in like a this kind of a way, but in a way of like, go now. Leave your life of darkness. Why are you in darkness? There's something much better than darkness. There's light. And when you realize there's light, go now and get out of this life of darkness. Get rid of that relationship. Get your life together. Go now. Because the life of light is too sweet. And that's why the light reveals for us hope. Grace was great. Grace covered. But hope gives us future. And the hope for us is that whoever follows me, that's what Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but live in the light of life. That we have hope that we never have to walk in darkness. That we can live a life in the light. A life of, like I said, confidence. A life of boldness a life of strength, a life of freedom, that we can live that life through the light of Christ. John chapter 12, verse 46. John 12, also Jesus spoke about the light a lot, and he says this. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. 
Again, I believe that there's some of us here today that need, that God wanted us to hear this message today. And him saying to us, we may be in a dark place, a place where of shame, a place of guilt, a place of, of a miserable place. And Jesus comes and says, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Not go and sin no more, like, because I'm going to beat you. Go and sin no more because, man, there's something much better out there for you. There's hope and there's freedom. And there's a chance to walk in light and never go back to that darkness. Jesus doesn't come to us and say, look, you uh, struggle with lust. Like, okay, you know, that's okay. Just do your best not to do it too much. Just, uh, just don't do it on the weekend. doesn't say that. He says, go and sin no more. Go now and sin no more. Do your best. Get out of that, that life of darkness. Start walking new light. Leave the friends. Leave the habits. Let's go. Walk in the light of life. Jesus doesn't come and say, you know, I know you gossip a lot, but, you know, it's like, I understand, not much going on in your life. Like, it's okay. He doesn't say it like that. He says, get rid of this life of gossip. Come on, man. There's something much better out there. There's life of freedom. There's life of light. Get, 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 get out of this. Not just the law tells us we're guilty, and then God forgives us, then we go back. It's time to move forward. On our own, we can't do that. But with light, anything's possible in light. In darkness, I agree. Don't walk in darkness because there's monsters. But when there's light, There's two groups of people here today. One group of people has never walked in that light, never tasted that light, lived their whole life in darkness. And you today, God wanted you to come here and hear that there's another choice. There is another option for you. That there is light, and you can walk in the light, and you can walk in such a way that you never even thought was possible. Second group of people, people who have walked in the light, but maybe you strayed a little bit along the way. Like the car that just pulls to the right, that you just started pulling away from the light started getting a little bit further. And inside you right now is the Holy Spirit, and he's tugging on you, saying, listen, I'm talking to you. I brought you here for this message today. Listen to me. I'm telling you, you, you strayed a couple lanes over. We were in the express lane. You strayed over. And if you're not careful, you're going to drive off the road and get into a ditch. And I want you to cruise through life. And I want you to live in freedom and in light. For each of those groups of people, the answer that we need to do is the same. We need to believe in the light and believe that, like I said, no matter how dark the room may be, I turn that little night light on, there's light. I turn a couple of them on, more light. I turn the big lights on, and life will never be the same. And you know what happens when you turn the light on in life? Then Jesus is not no more the light of the world. He is the light of my world. And that's the goal that we're trying to get to. Jesus said, read it with me one more time. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. On your own darkness, shame, guilt, humiliation, bondage, stress, anxiety, whatever. But today Jesus offers us a better way. What I am going to do is I want to invite our music team to come back up here. Okay, We will uh, sing a little bit song together. But before we do, I just want to leave you with this thought. The accuser will tell you that you can't. The accuser will tell you that you're not good enough. The accuser will tell you that what you've done is too bad. But today the light invites us. And he says, admit your sin, experience my grace, and walk in the light.
admit your sin, experience my grace, and walk in the light. What we want to do now is we want to take a little bit of time, sing a song together, close our eyes, okay, and make sure that we come like face to face in front of God. And that we're just real and we're honest with God and we just tell him, like I said, these three, where I am in these three, admitting my guilt, experiencing his grace, walking in the light, okay? We need to take that and take it in front of God. So let's stand up together, okay? And let's just close our eyes. And let's just take a minute of silence before we start. And just kind of put ourselves, like I said, put yourself as if you're standing in front of Christ himself. Like we're that, like we're that adulterous woman. And we're like standing in front of him and he's looking up at us and he's saying, I am the light of the world.
cry I am your savior and redeemer who bore the sin of man the author and perfecter beginning and the stand before you now we hear you proclaim these words that you are our healer you are our shepherd and you are the fountain of living water and then today we hear you say lord that you are the light of the world Lord, no one wants to walk in darkness you know how scary this world is in the dark lord and, and when we're honest we may act tough and act like we got it together lord but inside we're all little kids we're scared of the dark full of fears and full of insecurity, full of feeling like we're not good enough, feeling shame, and then we just try to cover it up with all kinds of funny things so we wouldn't appear to others to be weak. But Lord, before you, who can pretend? Who can put on a mask in front of you, Lord? You see through people's hearts. and You see straight to the inside. And you see us like little boys and little girls who are just scared. You come and say, I'm the light of the world. Lord, we love you so much. We're indebted to you forever. Can't thank you, Lord, enough for inviting us here and for choosing us to, to receive you and to stand in front of you. And, and who are we to, that you would save us like this, Lord? Help us to walk in light, Lord, and to accept your light and to cling to the light and never to walk in darkness again. Let today be like a new start for so many of us today. Be like a new start where we, we go and sin no more and we go and walk away from the darkness and just cling to you and cling to your light. Thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I pray a special prayer of blessing and strength on everyone who's here, who's lifting up their hearts and who's begging you and crying out, saying, Lord, let me live in this light. Let me live in your light. Lord, you said that the one who comes to you by no means cast out. And I know that today, Lord, that anyone who comes to you by no means cast them out. You just draw them nearer and nearer to you. That's your greatest desire, and that's our desire too. Accept our prayers this day. Let us to walk in your light this day and all the days of our life. In the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, and with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints, hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil one, through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. I will see you all back next week. Have a great week. <laughs>